What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 147, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I just got done watching the Royal Rumble. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he doesn't let his meatloaf. Frank, no, I, I, how you I doing? Don't. I don't let my meatloaf. The Rumble was fun. The I Rumble told you it fun. would be. It uh, was a lot of fun. Was what was your fun. favorite part? Hello, uh, Tom. What's up, Tom? What's up, Skokes? Skokes. Um, obviously the two rumbles, it's chalk. Yeah. But but like what part of the rumble? Like, duh. Like there's not a a little sequence that you can't pull out as your absolute favorite. Maybe the final two men's because it was up in the air. Like we knew who was going to win the women's kind of, Mm -hmm. but the men's was back and forth. Like nobody really knew. You kind of knew who it was going to come down to, but it's that shock factor. Right. And it plays into the story. Like Cody Rhodes has to finish his story. Lost to Roman last year at WrestleMania. He's going to go back this year and try and beat him again. He's on this historic um, championship streak of like 1,200 and something days or over 1,100 days. It's cool. It's a cool storyline that's going to culminate at WrestleMania. I can't wait for WrestleMania. I'm probably... I'm probably just as excited as anyone, to be you honest think, with you. You think we'll watch it 100%, right? Yeah, I would say so. My favorite moment, though, has a little bit of personal bias to it because of how funny it was for the group we were hanging out with. Obviously, we all had names drawn, and whoever wins the match, if you have, if your number matches, you get the money. And one of my all-time favorite podcasters, Pat McAfee, yeah. enters the Royal Rumble. And who has him but D? Oh, my God. (laughs) And, oh, my God, was that a funny moment because you knew he had no chance to win. Not only did he have no chance to win, he didn't even try. He goes over the rope. He looks at the seven-foot-tall dude and goes, hell no, hops right back over. He's like, I'm just going to stick to commentating. (laughs) Did you know he came out and said, like, they didn't inform him he was going to be in? Yeah, yeah. So it was all, like, improv. I mean – is that part of the storyline that he didn't know? No, I think he really didn't. Like it's possible. I mean, and I think he's like, "Well, what do I do? I'm just gonna dip." <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that was funny. I I had a good time with that. That was really really funny. It couldn't have been more funny though that Dylan got him. I know because he secretly hates Pat too. Does he really? I think so. He won't say it, but I think he does because he lets Aaron Rodgers go on every Tuesday in the winter time and spread his conspiracy theories and sound like an asshole. Apparently that makes Pat an asshole that Aaron Rodgers is an idiot. Well, that's not going to happen anymore, right? He banned him. No, that is incorrect. I thought he banned who banned him. Somebody got banned. Stephen A. Remember he wasn't going to go on. He wasn't going to have somebody on their show because of the whole Rodgers, what Rodgers comments made. There were rumors that that was going to be the case with the Pat McAfee show, but he had him on the next day just to debunk them all. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, if Rodgers doesn't retire, and all signs point to him not retiring, um, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday will resume in August with an occasional appearance here and there in the offseason. But, yeah. I mean, are we a-holes if someone comes on our show and is an idiot? No. It's not our fault. Yeah. I don't it's control. our fault we had him, maybe. But. Yeah. But... Yeah, well, yes, it is our fault. We had. Him. I mean, <laughs> but, it was our option to add him to the show, but yeah, for sure. But we're going to talk hockey in period number one. LVP. Ah! I got Joes. I got Joes. You had no clue. I got you. I I just had. I know I'm not going to do it anymore. But I knew I couldn't go like a month without getting you at least one time. And I, oh, got you. I'll, I'll you recovered okay. Now. You recovered okay. I, you when you said all oh, VP, I thought we had like a five second delay coming. No, you got it within like a second or two. That was good though. That was a good recovery. I still owned your ass though. That remember, was, I, just remember who's daddy around here. Okay, I, I give you props for that one. Yeah, I give you props. Don't forget who's daddy around here. All right, Dad. Um, Frank, the Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> wow, a lot going on. A lot going a lot on. Going on. A lot going on with them. We'll start with our boy Patrick Laine. Patrick Laine was the number two overall pick in the 2016 NHL draft by the Winnipeg Jets. He was picked one selection after Austin Matthews. Pick number three was Pierre-Luc Dubois. Pierre-Luc Dubois was a pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They were traded for each other a couple years ago. Laine comes to Columbus. Dubois goes to Winnipeg. Dubois has since been traded to... The Los Angeles Kings, but Line, he's still with the Jackets. When he first came into the league, Frank, when he was with Winnipeg, he was one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. I honestly thought there was a chance that along with Matthews, um, these two would kind of take the reins from Ovechkin as the best goal scorers in the NHL. Um that has not happened. It happened for like a year or two. I think he had I think he had 80 goals after his first two seasons. A phenomenal start to an NHL career. But since then, he's tapered off a little bit. He's a consistent 20-goal scorer, but he never really hit that full potential that he could have had. And now we learn that he's dealing with some off-the-ice issues. Um, he is taking a leave of absence to deal with his mental health, and he wants to come back rejuvenated and obsessed with hockey again. And he believes he can get back to that true 40-goal scoring form if he returns in good shape um, in a couple weeks here, hopefully, or at any, whenever he's ready. Um I'm wishing Patrick Laine well. But then he, he broke his clavicle, too. He right? had a couple injuries along the way. That didn't and help. Didn't, didn't they say it was a setback in his recovery for his clavicle as well? Yeah. So, like, I can't imagine breaking your clavicle. That's got to be, like, one of the worst things to break, honestly. Is that in your, isn't that in your neck, or am I getting it mixed up? It's something to do with, like, Polygon? your shoulder, neck area. I think it's like, yeah, so I can't, imagine, I can't imagine breaking that. If, like... Knock on wood, I've never broken anything. But if I were, I wouldn't want to be like shoulders up. Anything to do with the neck, you don't mess with the head, the brain, like any of that stuff. But yeah, they said he he had a setback in his recovery as well, and obviously not going to return all after the All Star break because the All Star break's basically here, minus a few games. But um, there's no need to rush him back to the lineup anyway. I mean, I think it's best that he takes this extra time to focus on himself get healthy mentally and physically. 
Um, he's having a very down year in terms of his standards. So, I mean, there's really no reason to have him back in the lineup. It's not like the Blue Jackets are going to go on some crazy streak anyway and make the postseason. So focusing on his mental, physical health, I think, is the right thing to do at this point in time. Absolutely. And the Blue Jackets were just dealt another devastating blow to their lineup. Not that they were like a good team. In, but, you know, there are times where the Columbus Blue Jackets were like a fun team to watch, regardless of their win-loss record. And one of the players that helped make that the case was Adam Fantilli. Adam Fantilli is one of the top rookies in the NHL. I believe if the season ended today, he would finish top five in Calder Trophy voting. I no longer think that that's going to be the case, though, because the Blue Jackets just revealed that he is going to be out for eight weeks recovering from um, a laceration to his leg that he received from a cut from a skate. So he's out for a while. It's a little scary of an injury. You know, we've seen some devastating injuries along the way here with skate blades and whatnot. His was to the leg. And, you know, it kind of seems like eight weeks is not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things when you think about what that type of injury can lead to. But uh, Adam Fantilli, promising young player, going to be – I think he's, like, pushing star player, like all-star level player. Uh, you know, he's a rookie. He's 18 years old, and he is tied for – or he's in third in league scoring. And, you know, I certainly think he's going to be one of the faces of the Blue Jackets for a long time. Tough blow. The top three picks in the NHL draft from last year, Leo Carlson, Connor Bedard, and Adam Fantilli, are all out for multiple weeks going forward now with different injuries. So a tough a tough thing that they're dealing with with those three players. I think all three are going to be stars in the NHL. They're going to be compared to each other for the next decade, which is kind of unfortunate because they're all good in their own way, and each team is going to be happy with their guy. I have no doubt about that. But tough news with Fantilli. Hopefully he returns to full health soon enough. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you how sharp a skate blade is to go through the tape and the sock because it wasn't just on his bare leg because he had all his equipment on. It just shows you how sharp a blade really is on a skate blade. And you think it's sharp when you look at it, but when you touch it physically, it's it's nothing to mess around with. And obviously the cut's going to heal over time. I don't know how deep the cut was, obviously. Nobody's seen the wound except the doctors and himself, but I'm going to imagine that it's going to heal pretty nicely. Um, I don't really see it affecting Fantilli in the long run just because it's you're just healing a little wound. You know what I mean? It's not – you don't have to – it's not bones that are broken or things that are sprained, so I think that'll be fine. It's 12 goals and 15 assists this year. He's, he's rocking it with the Blue Jackets. He's not the best rookie in the league right now, but he's definitely up there for sure. But I think he's going to be fine. And when he returns, I think his success in the second half of the season is still going to continue right where he left off. Absolutely. Um, he was wearing a Kevlar sock too, which is um, – it's like a sock that is – It's stronger. I, I think they're making them like for the neck. Thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, they are. You know, and so if he wasn't wearing that, who knows what this would have been like. If, if I'm an NHL player, if I'm playing beer league at this point, I'm doing whatever I can to keep those skate blades from doing any sort of cutting dance, like serious. Obviously, what happened to Fantilli is kind of, you know, it's going to happen from time to time, unfortunately. But, you know, he's going to be OK. And I'm, I'm rooting for him because I really like Fantilli. Yeah. I think he's going to be a star in the NHL. And. 
know, he's not going to be as good as Bedard. Him and Leo Carlson will be compared forever because Fantilli was supposed to go second. He went third. How about they're just both really good? And that's what we've seen so far this season is that yeah. when they're in the lineup, they are both amongst the best 18-year-olds to play in the league in the last decade. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for Fantilli and the Blue Jackets. So we'll see what happens. And then this David Yurichek. They keep sending him down, calling him up, sending him down, calling him up. He goes to the press and he says, yeah, I see guys like Simone Nemitz in New Jersey and Kevin Korchinski in Chicago. They're from my draft class, same position. They get ice time. They're on the power play. They're getting consequential minutes out there. I'm on this Blue Jackets team that has injuries all over the place and whatnot, and I'm going back down to the AHL. He's frustrated. There's some drama there. I can't say I disagree with him. He is one of the best six defenseman in the Blue Jackets organization right now. I truly believe that. A little weird what they're doing with Juracek. I'm on Team Juracek. Same. Fully. Um, he wants to play in the NHL. The Blue Jackets aren't giving that to him. And they have one of the most promising young cores in the league as well. At least one of, in the prospect pool, at least. Adam Fentilli, Kent Johnson, Igor Chinnikov, uh, Cole Sillinger, um, Gavin Brindley, who's not even there yet. Um, and others that the Blue Jackets selected this year at the in the 2024 NHL draft. But I, I just disagree with the Blue Jackets management here. Chirichek is supposed to be like a top-notch defenseman. And even in the AHL, they aren't playing him. He's played four games in the AHL only. So, like, what's going on? You aren't really playing him at any level at the moment, which is going to, in the long run, stunt his development. I agree. And th- coming into this year, there are people that would have like taken him number two overall in the entire draft. Um, I think right now, if you were to redraft, he'd probably go three or four. But like you'd certainly I don't know if you'd rather have him than Nemitz. You wouldn't probably rather have him than Cooley. But outside of those two, you can argue like you would take him third, like Korchinski, probably about even. at. But at least we've seen Korchinski. Yeah. Um, and uh, Shane Wright. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd rather have Juracek for sure. I think so, yeah. Um, it's just it's an odd draft. It's one of the odder drafts I recall, honestly, because it just was so all over the place. Like in teams, main there wasn't that one guy, so like teams just took what they felt they needed. Slavkovsky's finally starting to come around for the Montreal Canadiens. He's actually been really good in the last month or two. Um, he could be a great power forward in the NHL. So you know, hopefully the Blue Jackets figure it out with Juracek. He the ceiling is incredible for him and I'd be careful if I were them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not good. He might request a trade. <laughs> and if he requests, requests a trade, I mean, uh, very rarely do sides recover from that. I can think of one Jake DeBrusque requested a trade from the Bruins and he is very much still a Boston Bruin and a contributing Boston Bruin player helped last season. He seems happy to be a Bruin these days, but when um, Butch was still their coach, Brucey, he wanted out, and then they made that transition to Montgomery, and the rest is history. So I brought up the Los Angeles Kings a little bit ago when I said that Pierre-Luc Dubois was traded there. Frank, do the Kings stink? Well, they're in the worst slump of any of the 16 playoff teams. So they've lost 14 of their last 16 games. And, you know, I see a lot of people on social media, part of the press, saying that, is it Ted or Todd McClellan's fault? He took full blame after their latest loss. But let's not focus and put all the blame on him. 
Should he be fired? Absolutely not. But that's just me. That's my opinion. The problem is with the players and them getting too comfortable, too confident, and too lazy out there on the le- out there on the ice. Drew Doughty said after their loss to the Sabres that there are players on the team that are too focused with getting their point totals up. Too many people want their hand in the cookie jar. The team plays selfishly. When the game is close, everyone stays focused and they grind to take the lead. We saw that in the first half of the game for the against the Buffalo Sabres. They were cooking. But when they were up 3-1 to one against the Sabres, exactly halfway through the game, they started to collapse. And the statistic shows when they go past 60 minutes, they're only 2-10. and 10. I mean, you have Kopitar, Fiala, Kempe, Byfield, Dubois, Dowdy. You shouldn't be that bad in three-on-three overtime or a shootout. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Blackhawks have a better record at three-on-three. And they've probably won more three-on-three games with Bedard out. I mean, that, that you have a talented roster. There's no reason to be that bad. Not to mention Talbot and Riddich. They've been a solid duo so far this year. I can't complain. It is that too many people or too many players on this team lose focus of the overall big picture. And maybe that does fall on Todd McClellan a little bit because it's his job to rally the troops and get them focused in the locker room after each intermission, before the game, post game. But I don't think it's fair to put all the blame on him. Katie in the chat wants to know, where's your Royal Rumble cut? No shot. That's a, joke, That's a joke, Frank. Bleach you agreed blonde. to do it. You agreed to do it. And now, when I said I'd cut, I'd shave my head if the Devils won the lottery <laughs> twice. I said they would. I would shave my head if they won the lottery. You're I did insane. it for like four straight years. I had to shave my head twice when they got Heisher and use. And you don't live up to when you say you're going to do something. That's so not incredibly cool. Incredibly wrong. You said okay. I heard you. Okay. And then. Buddy wins Royal Rumble. He's got a cool hairstyle. And you're to be like, fair, I never said when. All right. Well, in summer of 2054, Frankie's going to get that <laughs> Royal Rumble haircut. Um, yeah, the Kings, they stink. Um, I'm annoyed that they stink because they started off so well. And I honestly thought like, like with the way Edmonton and Vancouver and Vegas is playing and you had the Kings in that mix. I mean, the Pacific Division could just be an absolute dog fight, and the Kings are just kind of tapering off. They're they're in danger of like letting one of those Central teams take a spot, or like who knows what the Kraken do in the second half of the season. They've been going; they blew it last night, but they've been playing well with Joey Decord and that. And I don't know the Kings; they better get it together because two eight and two or whatever they are in their last 10, 15 games, they stink. So they better figure it out. Um, we all want to see more of Kopitar and Dowdy in the twilight years of their career. Um, sucks to see them play this bad. Helps them. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that is the case. I mean, the, them and the Devils needing the All Star break more than any other team. Mm. Can't really think of anybody no, else that needs somebody else. Um... I thought about them yesterday. I'm not talking about bad teams either, like the Hawks or the Blue Jackets. Because like, I think the Predators could use a break. That's they're fair. right there with the Kings. Yeah, I, I think they have the same amount of points, but I think they need a break too. Yep. Uh, catastrophe of a loss the other night too. Yeah. To the Ottawa Senators when they were up three nothing. That's tough. Ottawa came all. They were up three nothing after the first period. I know. Uh, yeah. Right. Tough. I agree. Those are probably the big three in that. Uh, discussion but frank it's a good time of year you know why 
<laughs> Why is that? Because Zach Parisi is back. 39-year-old ZP, my all-time favorite NHL player, somebody I've looked up to and enjoyed for how many damn years. Now he has 429 career goals, 450 assists. He's played in 1,224 games split between the New Jersey Devils, Minnesota Wild, and New York Islanders. The 17th overall pick in the 2003 NHL draft, the greatest draft in the history of American team sports. The 2003 NHL draft. There is no draft in any other sport um, that even comes close to 03. I think like 20 of the 30 players drafted in the first round like went on to play like at least 500 games in the NHL. And we got a couple superstars in there. Getzlaff, Perry, Zach, Marc-Andre Fleury, um, Nathan Horton. Um, I'm drawing – I'm missing – oh, is it Eric Stahl? I think Eric Stahl is one of them. I mean, it is just one yeah. – yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury, Eric Stahl, Nathan Horton, Vanek. Remember Thomas Vanek? Ryan oh, Suter, yeah. Dion Phaneuf, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, Brent Seabrook. Zach Parisi, Ryan Getzlaff, Brent Burns, um, Ryan Kessler, uh, Brian Boyle, Corey Perry, Patrick Eves. Then you get into the second round. Patrice Bergeron. I mean, it is it is Corey Crawford. It is legitimately one of the greatest drafts of all time. Jeremy Colleton drafted 58th overall by the New York Islanders. Um, it is just one of the best um, drafts of all time. And Zach Parisi, he's back for another year. Colorado Avalanche, what are your thoughts? Before I touch on that, Tom says, Frankie, do it in Door County this year. Come on, Frankie. But I don't think he realizes what it is. He would not like it. He doesn't like – he always disses those weird haircuts. Well, it's time for you to have one. He disses them, but he would laugh at it if it were you. He'd laugh at it, but he would hate it deep down. Bleach blonde. That'd be awesome. That'd be no. so awesome. Absolutely not. If you're Zach Parisi and the Colorado Avalanche come knocking on your door wanting to sign you, why not sign with them, right? Like, even at 38 years old last year, he had 21 goals. I mean, would he have gotten that this year? Probably not. But he is also with the better team this year. So, I mean, you, you can't, you can never say never. Um, so this is actually big for the Avalanche in a couple different ways. First of all, Zach Parisi hopefully provides scoring depth for this Colorado Avalanche team. This team may seem deep on paper, but they've struggled to find scoring depth, not only this year, but last year as well, especially during the first round of the playoffs versus the Kraken last year. Very, very hard to find scoring depth, and they were eliminated in the end. So, they're also going to use this opportunity with Zach Parisi to fill some voids that this team has. There's been a void without Landeskog. There's now been a void with Nikushkin leaving for an indefinite period of time. I mean, this team doesn't want to lay down and settle with what they have. They believe they need someone like Parisi to try and fill those voids for now. The Avalanche currently lead the Central Division and are trying to race for the President's Trophy. I mean, this just proves that they take this very seriously, their lead in the division, and they want their best chance to maintain that lead heading into the postseason. They, they're they just showing their hand that they take a lot of stock into the players they lost and wanting to replace them. They wanted a veteran presence, and they got that with Zach Parisi. It would mean a lot to me to see him win the Stanley Cup. Never done it. <laughs> really, really would. He came so close in 2012 with my Devils. 
And if the Devils can't win the Cup this year or the Bruins, um, I I would love, love, love to see the Avalanche win the Stanley Cup. And you know what, Frank? They have the roster to do it. They do. They they have Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Kale McCarr. Those three guys, that's the best trio in the NHL. You could probably say you could probably compare like Hyman with McDavid and Dreisaitl in Edmonton, you know, Marner, Nylander, Matthews in Toronto, Brat, Hughes, Heesher in New Jersey. I, there are lots of awesome trios in the league. That one though. Those three guys are unreal. Yeah, if you add Landis Cog, who's finally skating again Ooh. after basically two years off. And you know what's funny? Landis Cog is basically Zach Parisi. If you remember the way Zach used to play when he was like in his prime on the wild, and you think about the way Landis Cog plays on the avalanche, they both just go hang out in the front of the net and take absolute beatings and score goals in basically the exact same way. They, they used to get into it a lot when Zach was on the wild and, Oh, Landis Cog was like in his younger days. Um, they used to get into it a lot, actually, and now they're teammates, which is actually very funny. But I mean, with Kale McCarr being out there for half the game, he'll be out there with the stars. He'll be out there with a line that includes Zach. Um, I think it's a great fit for them. They're adding depth. If Nichuskin comes back healthy, ready to rock, um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Devin Taves, one of the most underrated players in the NHL. I think he makes Team Canada next year. Because or two years, whenever they're doing the World Cup of Hockey, he makes Team Canada because of Kale McCarr. He'll be like kind of how Kunitz made it mm-hmm. when Crosby was in his prime. Crosby is still in his prime, kind of. But when he was like in his real prime, like age prime, and Kunitz was kind of his wingman, um, it's it's going to be a similar situation. I, that Avalanche team is unreal. He fits in very well. He could play on the second line. He could play on the fourth line now at this point in his career. Um, just a menace down low. You assume he's probably as healthy as he's been since, you know, recovering from his back surgery all those years ago. Now um, he's played in 82 games a couple years in a row leading up to this year. Um, but, you know, he hasn't played since the Islanders getting eliminated by Carolina last year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. And you know who their first game is against post all-star break? No. The New Jersey Devils. Oh, God, dude. It's in, like poetry. It is poetry. I don't know if he'll play in that game. I don't know if he'll play in that game, but wouldn't it be something if he did? <laughs> I don't understand, like, how it's always poetry like this. It is. It is. I, I, I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, if Jack Hughes comes back in that game and Zach joins the Avalanche lineup, what a game that would be, I honestly think. It could go either way. I'm assuming the Avalanche would be favored, but you know it's one oh, of those yeah. things like that Probably. could be that could be like real, real entertaining hockey if both teams show up with full lineups ready to go. Um, Absolutely, I'm, I'm excited that ZP's back though. This is it, all right. Like this is it. You know he's not coming back after this year. No shot. No, he took. It. He came back in January this year. Like he, I'll be stunned if he comes back next year. Um, but. One last time, I guess. It's really sad to a think farewell about. Farewell tour. I am not a hockey fan the way I am today if it's not for Zach Parisi. So That's I'm fair. truly grateful for all the cool things that he's brought to my life. And I'm excited for one more go around. They're at the United Center on February 29th. So hopefully I'm able to make it out and see him in person one last time. I did see him in person last year. He was on the New York Islanders when I was in Newark and seeing them play the Devils. 
Um, I've seen him play as a member of the Wild twice. Um, I was 17 when he left the Devils. So I I wasn't as capable of going to a game whenever I want back then. You're a little baby. Basically. I mean, he was a baby too. He was 27. So, yeah, I always I always know what age Zach is because whatever age I turn, he's 10 years older. So, you know, very interesting. Excited to see how he fits in with the Avalanche. I hope they roll through the West. Give me a Colorado-Edmonton Western Conference Finals again like we had two years ago. That would be the best thing possible, I think. Um, very excited. This team will never feel like how they were when they won the Cup a few years ago. When I said they were in a league of their own, Oh, no, no, they won't. They won't. But that That doesn't mean they can't win the cup. No, yeah, they could still win the cup. But that year, holy smokes. Yeah, like Vegas never felt like that at any point last year. It's very rare that teams feel like that. The Bruins felt like it and they choked. It really did. Yeah, but the Avalanche finished it off. They, they, they really. The Avalanche, there was just no beating them. I felt like it was just. And they didn't even win the president's trophy. It but was, they they had a little extra something that Florida didn't have that year when they I think Florida was the President's Trophy winner. Yeah, they were. And they it just it didn't feel the same. We I agree were, with you. We were somewhere. What do you mean? Out at a restaurant when um when Florida was playing and they choked. I don't know if that was the day that they lost the series, but we were talking about. It, and I'm pretty sure, like you said, I Florida's not a given to win this series. We were out eating somewhere. I don't know what we were doing. They lost to Tampa, Florida, right, in the playoffs that year? Because they beat Washington in yeah. the first round, but barely. The Capitals squeaked in as the eighth seed. That was that weird year where, like, the playoffs, the eight teams were locked in, like, right now. And I was – man, I could picture the place, too. I don't know what we were doing. I don't think it was a sandwich Saturday, but – it's like no, we're some... way post-sandwich Saturday at that point. We were eating, though. Because I remember watching Florida play the Capitals at Beacon here in Des Plaines, so I knew Katie when that was going on. That that I can't, I can't think of a reason, though, why we were out somewhere. Like In May? Ju- or April, late April, early May? Joey's was... birthday? Something. No, no, and it was just like us and like G... And maybe Dylan or something, and we were out just. And we saw we saw Florida lose to Tampa Bay. Was that 2019? No, 20. This is the year the Avalanche were real good. Because then that the year the Panthers won the the Presidents Trophy. The Panthers won the Presidents Trophy in 2020, the 2021 2022 season. I can picture the rest. Devils were trash. The Avalanche were real good. The Bruins were pretty good. It, can, the, the the lightning lost in the championship, the cup final to the avalanche that year. I could picture the restaurant in my head and we walked out and you kind of walked out into like a, a strip molly area. Was it time was out? It, was it Dylan's birthday? The bars? No. Rosati's? No. No. It was not Rosati. It was like, it was like a city works type of place. Okay. And we sat in a, a curved booth in the middle of the restaurant. A lot of TVs. A lot of TVs. A lot of TVs. But it's just weird. Like, there's certain moments in your life where you just remember these memories. But for yeah. what reason? And okay. the Panthers were eliminated from postseason contention? They were playing Tampa Bay, I'm pretty sure, at that time. I don't know if that was the day they lost the okay. series. 
Well, they That's they cool. played Tampa Bay in the postseason when they won the President's Trophy. Tampa Bay upset them and ended up going all the way to the final to, just to lose to Colorado. Yeah, and it's like that was twenty twenty two. And why? So but two, why two were years we ago. out though? Like, I can't even think of a good I mean, we, reason. We go out all the time. But it's like, no, not like that, though. What do you just, mean? No, I see you three, four, five times we, a month. But you can't say we go out and just sit down at a restaurant and eat for no reason. No. I don't know. It's like, it's like we're getting a little off topic here, but it's like when we saw Captain Marvel at the Woodfield AMC, and still to this day, me and Dylan were talking about it. I can't think of a good reason why we did that. Why did we go to that movie theater? I think it was probably the only one that had the show. No, not Captain Marvel, not a Marvel movie. No, it was the only one that it like wasn't sold out where like where we could all get to seats together. Cuz remember that dude and that girl were making out in their truck after the movie was over and I played that one Marvin Gaye song. <laughs> Let's get it on. I know. And they, and they stopped making out and busted out laughing. I, that was very funny. I don't think it was sold out, but I I don't know. I don't know. I do it's remember we went to Woodfield for that, though. Was, just was it because we went to dinner around there or something? I don't freaking That's know. why I said, was it 2019? Was that the day? No. Because Absolutely not. In 2019, the Bruins won the Stan- or the Bruins lost to the Blues in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. I, I don't know, though. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe- Joey's not coming out to see Captain Marvel with us at a movie theater if the Bruins... I remember we saw a movie after the Bruins beat the Blue Jackets in a game, in a playoff game. Was that? I think it was Infinity War or Endgame. Oh, that'd be Endgame. I didn't see Infinity War in theaters. Lucky you. I wish I would have. Yeah, it was weird. When the movie ended, you could hear a pin drop. I know. It was a weird, it was a weird, normally when movies are over, there's like a mild roar. Every single person just stayed silent from standing up to getting in their car. I wish I would have, uh. And then you're like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Frank, Zach Parisi's alma mater, North Dakota, are the number two team in all of college hockey right now. The number one team, the Boston College Eagles, swept Macklin Celebrini and the now number three Boston University Terriers. It was the first time that they ever met as the number one and number two teams in college hockey. BC's on fire. BU played again last night against a much worse Northeastern team, and they went to overtime, and Northeastern won. Huge upset. BU's on a little bit of a slump. They're still in second place in Hockey East. They're by no means in danger of anything, but they'd probably like to get a win in their next game. The next game is Saturday. Um, But BC, man, with Will Smith and Gabe Perrault and Cutter Gauthier and um, Ryan Leonard, that's the best team in the country right now. Dude, I keep them. I had them at one when they were two, but they proved me right. Didn't they? It was a home and home, too. It was a home and home. To sweep a home and home series with your biggest rival says a lot about how great this team is. It's hard to sweep any team in any sport in a home and home. I always favor the losing team in the second meeting of the season just because the losing team has time to adjust and fix their problems on why they lost the first game so that they could rebound for a win in the second game. But that didn't happen this time around. And Cutter Gauthier, Gabe Pro, they were like the BU killers in this series. They scored. They were, I think, the only two players to score in both games. Now, I didn't get a chance to watch either of the games in full, but I was able to catch some of it. I know you had it on when we were together. Um, and I, I did see some highlights of the other game. But 
props to BC, though. I mean, they have a ton of tremendous NHL talent, and this is just a taste on what they plan to bring in the NHL in future years to come. That rivalry is great. It is great, and they're going to play each other in the Bean Pot on Monday. Um, the Bean Pot semifinals are Monday. Uh, I, think, I think they all play on Saturday, but not against each other. But on Monday, BU will play BC again. This time it's at the TD Garden, home of the Boston Bruins. So that will be super exciting. Um, and BU's then got this, I think. You think BU's got this? Three in a row is insane. I just think BC's better. They they could be better, but they have four guys. They have four guys who could be on Connor Bedard's line next year if they were Blackhawks prospects. I think BU has zero because Celebrini would be on a different line totally. Like I don't know. I I just think B like BU Macklin Celebrini might be the best player out of them all. He also might not be because I think the world of those four players on Boston College and where you're drafted doesn't always mean everything. But they were all first rounders and. I think they will all score at minimum 20 goals next season in the NHL, especially that Will Smith. And he's going to be on a bad Sharks team, so he's going to get power play. Five on five, heavy ice time. Probably playing if they have Hurdle on the team still and Couture. He's getting all those minutes. Um, Leonard's going to go play in Washington. Who knows? Maybe he will get power play time and send one-timers over to Ovechkin or, you know, He's more of a shooter, I think. He'd probably be on a different power play than Ovechkin. But, like, Gabe Peralt going to go have Fox and Panarin on that power play if he gets opportunity. I mean, my goodness. And then Cutter Gauthier, he's going to go to Anaheim and be the centerpiece of the shooting gallery that is their power play. Um, Leo Carlson is going to find him in open space like nobody's business. Um I'm excited for them all. I don't know. I, I got BC winning the bean pot and the freaking national championship right wow. now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, I yeah. can't favor a team to go three in a row. That's tough. It That's is tough. tough. Because we're, I think we're underselling BU's talent too. BU's, oh. they got, I, they, I'd be stunned. I would think like they go undefeated the rest of the year if they beat BU. Honestly, they sweep the playoffs. Like it's just everything. Maybe I hope I hope they meet in the natty so bad. I like what North Dakota's doing. Quinnipiac is unreal again after winning last year. Wisconsin is all of a sudden in the conversation. They could be natty champions too. I think it's probably going to end up being one of those five. But like, who knows? Honestly, at this point, because it's just all over the place all year. But my goodness, I can't wait for the bean pot TD Garden. My. I, it's one of my sports bucket lists is the bean pot. It's not really that hard. Tickets are like dirt cheap. It's not a full sold out TD garden. You just got to be in Boston on the right weekend. But that's oh, the hard. That's the hardest part of it for me. If I lived in Boston I, or Massachusetts, I probably would just go every year. But, you know, I think it's, it's going to be really fun. And then Harvard will play Northeastern who Northeastern just got that big win over BU. So I'm sure they're coming into the bean pot motivated. I think that every team has a game on Saturday to kind of get ready for it. Um, should be a lot of fun though. Absolutely can't wait for the bean pot. And then the final will be two days after or the day after the Super Bowl. So very much looking forward to that. It's gonna be awesome. Um Frank Owen Tippett, big contract. Yeah, signed an eight-year, forty-nine point six million dollar contract, equates to six point two million dollars per year. Um I'm normally not a fan of this contract. I do kind of like it. 
Uh, I might play a little devil's advocate here, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, so this means based on his current contract he has, he's getting a $4.7 million increase um, starting next season. So this is a very interesting move. He's part of the core. He had 27 goals last year. He's on pace for more than 30 goals this year. Within the next eight years of his contract that he'll be on when the Flyers have their core complete, you know, Tippett's going to be a major factor in that, and we'll probably be producing more with the better's Flyers team, obviously. It's just going to come naturally. He's a top 10 draft pick. He's in his fifth year. He's shown improvement over the last two years. The first three years, not so much, but over the last two years, he's shown, including this year, he's shown significant improvement. So I understand why the Flyers made this deal. But I just something the the contract length per dollar amount ratio is off to me i think a contract like this in three years would have been perfect but he's really not gonna show his full potential until this team gets better i don't think you know however on the other hand if you don't sign him to a deal like this then it's like, what kind of contract do you give him? Like you kind of forced to give him this contract because you want him locked up for long-term and you could potentially be getting him for a steal if he stays a consistent 30 goal scorer for years to come. So I think this contract could be viewed for either side. The co The contract as a whole makes sense in the bigger picture. I just don't, the ratio seems off to me a little bit. I get what you're saying. I am a fan of the contract, and I'll tell you why. I do think sometimes some of these super young rookies, like the guys who go first and second overall, you know, he sure had 52 points in his rookie year, Selkie Trophy candidate every single year now. Um, Connor Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, all of them, some of the best 18-year-olds we've ever seen in the NHL, at least in the last handful of years. Well, some guys, you know, 10th overall, 11th overall, it takes them a couple years. And they're not – full productive NHL players till they're 21, 22, 23 years old. It, it's very difficult. We That's why extra praise should go to the guys who are, I think we do it wrong. We, we, we praise these guys who, <laughs> we praise these guys who go on and do great in their teenage years, but we poo-poo other guys for not doing that. And it's not, we, they, we should continue praising some of these other kids that are the Carlsons and the Bedards when they're teenagers, but then you get to these other guys like Cole Caulfield is a great example. It took him a minute to really, really, really get going and be the player that he is now. It's basically the same amount of time as Owen Tippett. Owen Tippett this season is going to flirt with 40 goals. I don't think he gets quite there if he's 35, 36, 30. He's going to flirt with 30, 40 goals though. Certainly he'll blow past his career high of 27 if he stays healthy. Mm -hmm. Okay, if he does that, then he's flirting with 70 points because he'll probably have 20, 25 assists on the year. He's more of a goal scorer than a playmaker. Obviously, the league values playmakers a tad bit more. They'd rather have a guy with 20 goals and 80 assists than a guy with 40 goals and 20 assists. You know, you have more goals, but you have less points. They want, you know, but I think for his production – with the goals and all that, and he's really solid on both sides of the puck. Um, I don't know. If he gets a chance to play on the power play with Michkov, who is just an absolute dog when it comes to distributing the puck, 
and all of a sudden he's got Tippett playing with him. Nobody expected this coming into the season for him to be like this dynamic. Um, and you got guys like Bobby Brink and Travis Konechny and, you know, Drysdale's all of a sudden on the back end now being this quarterback on the power play that they didn't think they were going to have um, by, you know, once they got rid of Provorov. Like, all, all these sorts of things are starting to kind of fall into place for the Flyers. And I don't know, dude. I, I think he's going to be a pretty good player for a long time. You know, he came back in the Claude Giroux trade. Mm-hmm. So, and with him came a first-round pick. It's top 10 protected, but. Let's be honest, the Panthers have a better chance of winning the Stanley Cup than freaking being a top 10 pick in the draft, um, But and it's not close. So the Flyers are going to get that pick. It'll probably be somewhere between 22 and 32, right? They'll either, they could win the Stanley Cup or lose in the first round. Nothing would shock me with a team like the Panthers, who are just so good. Um, they... They're going to have another first-round pick to go with that on top of their own first-round pick, which if you're the Flyers, you could see a landing anywhere between 16 and 23, right? It's going to be somewhere in that range, I think. I think they probably make the playoffs, but I don't know if they win around, so it's somewhere in that range. Um, I don't know. I, I I think Owen Tippett's a great player, and the Flyers are building something. They are building something. I agree with you completely. I just The only difference is I just think this contract will look better in three years. Agreed. It'll, Absolutely it'll agreed. he'll be worth more than the six million that he's getting per year in a I few agree. years. But right now, and maybe that's why they did it. Maybe it's kind of like the Hawks. They don't mind overpaying early on for a couple years for the first few years because I mean this there's no big free agents coming right now to the Flyers, so you could afford to do that with your cap space. The Devils gave Jack Hughes an eight million dollar contract after a forty point season. Well, he's not Jack Hughes, but no, he's not Jack Hughes, but the point is sometimes teams are willing to overpay for guys for what they might be able to do based on their potential. There are some teams that are going to look like fools. You it's see it's it a big risk yeah, for it every big risk. You do. The White Sox pay Yoan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez like they're freaking superstars because they showed that potential in their early years, mm-hmm. fell off a cliff. Now they look like bum contracts because they stink. Yeah. Um, are you surprised Jersey Jerry got 39 uh, pins as fast as he got? Well, he had help from Big Cat PFT and Billy Football got one. Yeah, it was pushing five, but yeah. Unbelievable. I'm I'm honestly stunned. That was a lot of hay. It was a lot of hay. When I told Joey about it, he goes, he pictured the size of like a flat screen TV. (laughs) I said, buddy, it's like bigger than my pool. Yeah. (laughs) Billy Football found one, and I was so happy for him. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch the whole stream. When I watched, it was just Big Cat and Jerry. And I think uh, they kept – people came by, stopped in. I love that they were wearing different costumes. It was, I look forward to it. Every Tuesday, new challenge. Yep. So last Absolutely. week was kind of the Wii 300. I thought that was going to go on for a long time. I did too, and then I'm like, well, Joey's done it. Like, it's not super hard. Joey's done it? Yeah. Oh, I've gotten in the twos. I've never hit a 300. I thought it was going to take like 12 hours, honestly. But Yeah, that's crazy. We need to we need to bump up the the challenge now. We need another hole in one 20-hour stream. Yeah. Yes. Where you the whole world is watching. And I thought this was going to be it. Nah. But, yeah. 39 needles 
in a haystack where you can like kind of cover your ground as you go. Like eventually you're gonna what find if you them. miss one then, and you you think you covered your ground. Yeah, you then you just gotta ground. go back. But I like the dusting strategy. That was a smart strategy. So and Credit. shaking. Yep. Credit to Jersey Jerry. Um, Frank, the Sharks unveiled new sweaters. You like them? VP. They're sick. You what hate I'll them? Say, what I'll say first, Sharks are going to debut their Cal California Finn jerseys at the SAP Center at San Jose on Saturday, February 17th versus the Columbus Blue Jackets and will wear the uniform at all home games throughout February and March. So they will wear them for a total of 11 times. I rarely say this with any jerseys because I can get picky with them. These are my favorite shark jerseys of all time. I was about to torch you. And it's not even close. These are some of my favorite jerseys, any hockey jerseys of all time. I think they'd be on my Mount Rushmore of NHL jerseys of all time. Like, and it's not even close. I love that they wanted to take a different approach other than the shark. The logo is crisp. There's a perfect black to blue color ratio. The sleeves are shark gills. I mean, these jer these jerseys are basically the meme where it's like, tell me you're a shark's jersey without telling me you're a shark's jersey. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea. And whoever designed these jerseys should get a raise and design jerseys like this for every team. There you go. I agree. I think they're sick. I love their teal jerseys too. I kind of wish they were rotating, wearing them both in February and March because I think it would be a real nice rotation. But they all of a sudden have one of the best dirty jersey catalogs in the league because I love the redesign they made to their teal where it's kind of like teal on teal, where like before during the Marlowe Thornton days, it was like teal on black. I love that it's all teal now. I hope they keep that going along with this as the alternate at home for a long time. VP, it's just absolutely gorgeous, man. Look yep. at this. Absolutely oh stunning. God. Yep. Wow. Very cool. It's the first jersey they've ever had that doesn't feature a shark head. Good. I like the different approach. I really do. I love the shark, but we need different. None of this basic stuff. We need different, and this exceeds all my expectations. Yep. And, Frank, they've been hinting at it all season long, technically, and nobody even realized that it's their Twitter hashtag logo, and it has been all season long. See, I don't and really it, their Twitter. So it wasn't like that last year. It was the huh. normal shark logo last year. And another team has been hinting at their logo for a new jersey that they were revealing, the Devils. They Their hashtag on Twitter was the NJ, no circle around it. Um, the four stadium series jerseys were revealed. I'm assuming you hate them all. Um, I hate two of them. I dislike two of them. So you hate them all? No, I don't hate them all. I hate two of them. Like, do you hate the Devils? No, they're the ones like I could I could get by. They're okay. I I kind of like them. Okay. And I like kind of like the Islanders. The Rangers and the Flyers are just stupid. They're just the reason why nobody could ever come up with a good jersey. Honestly, like go into detail. They're okay. If I if I had to rank them, I'd go Islanders, Devils, Rangers, and Flyers. Wow. Because the Islanders. The Islanders get the most shit on. Wow. In my opinion, they're just too basic. Show me something I've never seen before, like the San Jose Sharks jersey. We need something fresh. 
I've seen Isles. We've seen the NYR. We've seen the Flyers logo on a white jersey. Show me something I haven't seen before. Now, I will say I like the Devils because they kept the jersey strictly red and black. There's no white in there. That's what I like. It's something a little bit different. Islanders jersey is cool because it's their nickname on the front. But with the Rangers and Flyers, just too basic. I'm tired of basic. Throw me a curveball instead of a meatball. I'm tired of it. Very fair. Frank. So I ranked them Rangers, Devils, Flyers, Islanders. I just thought the Islanders one was like a little too, like, it just seemed bland to me. I ranked the Flyers third. I like the jersey. I don't like it for the stadium series. And the reason I don't like it for the stadium series is because it just looks like a a Flyers road jersey. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. If they made that their road jersey, I think people would love it. It's better than their actual road jersey, I think. But for it's the stadium just, series? It's just basic. But that's what I'm – well, a road jersey is basic. Like, that, uh, every team's road jersey is basic. I think a different logo. Uh, that's the thing. They're the only team that just put their logo on a stadium series jersey. It would be a nice road jersey. It would be a really nice road jersey. The other, The other three – look like stadium series jerseys. They do. I don't like the Islanders one, so I ranked the Flyers one ahead of it. But I, the Islanders one is also growing on me a little bit. I love the Devils one, and I'm not biased. I'll shit on something if I don't like it. Like, I, you know, not everything they do I like. That jersey, I hated it at first, and then I started looking at it, and I'm like, this is a stadium series jersey. They are I was kind of a little disappointed the colors weren't flipped, and I think that's what gave me disdain at first. I thought it would be very similar looking, but it'd be a black jersey with the other stuff red. But I'm like, the Devils are a red team, and they 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 feel that way about themselves more. They We got a black jersey as an alternate. They wear it every Saturday home game. We have a black jersey. They are a red team. They've been a red team forever, even when their accent was green and then changed it to black. Red was still the main color either way. And they like being a red team, and that's who yeah. they are. That's who we are. We, our favorite color is red. It's what it's, it's part of our bloodline. Um, the Rangers, they haven't really done the NYR on the front like that big. I like the 3D-ness of it. We've that caught me off guard. Though. We have. The, and it's just it's getting old. That's, that's I get, where I draw the line. I get what you're saying. I'm kind of glad you hate it because I hate everything Rangers. Like but. the Devils one out of the four is the most unique because I don't think, and you could probably fact check me on this one. You're the Devils guy, but I don't think there has ever been a Devils jersey with zero white in it. No. Zero. No. There no. is not a speck on the arm of white. It is purely black and red, and that's what I like about it. They took a different approach. Unique. That's what we need. Well, and another reason I think this is the jersey's wildly popular in the Devils community. They love it, and they hate everything. So it was like stunning I, that I they like, love it. I like it. I like it. Like the Devils community is obsessed with it. Actually, they're having problems with like the sales, like wow. supply and like they love it. Good. Um, remember Stadium Series twenty fourteen? The Kings played the Ducks. Yep. At Angel Stadium or Dodger Stadium, the Blackhawks played the Penguins at Soldier Field. The Rangers played the Islanders and the Devils at Yankee Stadium. Yep. All five teams got chrome logos, right? Mm-hmm. 
But the Devils didn't get a Chrome logo jersey like the other team. They just wore their throwback green jerseys. Mm-hmm. They never, ever, ever had cool jerseys come out. Like they're the last team to ever have an alternate mm-hmm. um, in uh, in the NHL. Freaking Vegas got an alternate before them. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I think they beat I Seattle. Know. The Jersey Jersey beat Seattle, but the Jersey Jersey was their first ever alternate jersey, and they were last. And to see them come out with something that's just so different and so unique compared to everything else, I think that is what's resonating with the Devils community. People will rip on all the logos for being big. Well, they are meant. You got the thing you got to remember about outdoor jerseys is it's it's outside. We're farther away from the action than we are as fans in the rink. The logo's supposed to be big so that people in the three hundred level of a uh, football stadium could see it. And same mm-hmm. thing with the numbers. It's an outdoor jersey. The Devils are going to, uh, they're the only team I know for sure is going to wear theirs an extra time. They're wearing theirs, I think it's February or March 6th or something like that. It's one of the home games in March that they're wearing it at home, which should be really, really cool. I'm excited about that because it'll be interesting to see them wear it in a building like on a normal ice surface. But I don't know, dude. I, I like the Devils ones. I don't hate the others, but I don't love them either. The Flyers one, I stand by. It's a nice jersey. I just don't love it for the Stadium Series jersey. If you told me that that was the Flyers' next road jersey, I would be like, oh, they did a good job with that. That's probably their best road jersey I've ever seen. And it's not their road jersey. It's a Stadium Series jersey. That's the only issue with it I have. Disappointing. For sure. Just, just disappointing. Well, at least you don't hate the Devils one. Dylan was telling me he hates it, and that's crazy. Good for him, because I don't want him to like it. Um, Frank, the Oilers have won fifteen games in a row. Sixteen, brother. Sixteen games in a row. Sixteen games in a row. Just unreal. The and first win on the first win on that streak. <laughs> hey, they beat the Hawks on that streak too. So twice. Like yeah. And you want to know the funny part is. They're still 12 points out of first in the division after winning 16 in a row. <laughs> That's how bad of a start they had to start the season. They're now just one win away from tying the record for the longest streak in NHL history, which belongs to the 1992-1993 Pittsburgh Penguins, which I thought for sure the win streak would have been longer than 17 as the longest in NHL history. But they have a tough game for their first game back from all-star break. It's going to be against the Vegas golden Knights and I'm pretty sure it's at the fortress. So wow. What a game to have back from the, for with a game tying or a record tying game on the line. And you could take this all-star break in two different ways. You could look at it as a momentum stopper, or you could look at it as a way for players to get rest. So they could go on another 16 game win streak after the all-star break. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond after a week off. The two most consequential players on the Edmonton Oilers will be at the All-Star game, mm-hmm. skating and having a good time. So I don't know I don't know if Rust will be a factor for them, but the rest of the team, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I hope they do it. I just I like history. I like records being broken. Records are made to be broken. Um, I hope that ends up being the case, but we'll see what happens when they play Vegas. That should be a marvelous game. I will be locked in on it. Um <laughs> Um, super. The Oilers are back to being my Oilers. It's my Oilers and my Canucks this year, in addition to the Devils. Flip. Who flip. I just am enjoying both Canadian you teams. Called right them now. dead. I called them dead. I was dead ass wrong. That's what's dead. My opinion, dead. That's what's wrong. Um, but I'm backing on my Oilers. Um, you. That's kind of the fun of being a hot. Like I have my number one favorite team, 
and then you bandwagon the other teams that are fun to watch. That's just how I like to do it. Um, you know, the Devils aren't going to be in contention, or they're not even playing every night, but I want to watch hockey. I love the game. So, you know, with the Canucks and the Oilers I and I rooting, rooting for the Blackhawks, too, and the Bruins for Joey, I still like the Wild. Um, you know, there's all sorts of good hockey to be watching over these sure. times. Um, a Canadian team could win the Cup this year. Wouldn't shock me. No, it wouldn't shock me. It, it's going to happen soon. I think. I think the drought is close to coming to an end. I hope it is, honestly. Because, honestly, it annoys me as an American to hear other Americans brag about that as if their American team would have any success without the help of Canada. Well, it's just you're proud to be like you're an American. It's nothing like a dag at Canada, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's like the Hawks. Like, I'm always rooting for an American team. Like, Team USA. Oh, yeah, in that sense, yes. Stuff like that. But, like, in the NHL, I think it's foolish to be, like, American pride that they haven't won the Cup because they have won the Cup. The Cup goes back to Canada more than any individual place in the United States during the offseason. How how well do the Vegas Golden Knights do last year without Petrangelo, Stone, um, uh, Marsha So, Riley Smith? There you go. Nowhere without these guys. How many cups do the Hawks win without Taves, Seabrook, Crawford, and Keith? I know. <laughs> Let me tell you how many. I Zero. <laughs> You're right. So it's funny, though. I, I, it'll be fun when they finally get a parade up there in Canada. Um, Frank, to go with the Oilers' 16-game winning streak, the Hawks are, is it 20 losses in a row 20. on the road? Yeah. Just an absolutely incredible road-losing streak. The tank for Celebrini. Stack. Losses for Mac. Stack losses for Mac. Get out of here, man. And the you Sharks. Know, the Sharks won last night. Let's get that last place, baby. They're probably going to. I told you that a couple weeks ago. Well, and, and the Sharks started. The Sharks started, what, 0-11-0? So bad. And they're ahead of the Hawks now? That's funny. Uh, Blackwood's been playing outstanding. He got a shutout mm-hmm. the other night against, or yesterday against I Seattle. tried to tell you. I told you the Devils were making a mistake. I just don't think it was the right fit. I think if he was still with the Devils, I think that he'd stink. Honestly. Maybe. He was just so <laughs> hurt. He was hurt. And he was playing bad while hurt. They should have just benched him. Um, The Hawks haven't won a road game since November 9th. Do you remember who it was against? <laughs> it was against... I remember the, the win very well. Let's see. I was shocked they won the game on was the Was it the Boston Bruins? No. Who did they go on the road? Oh, Vegas. Nope. No, it wasn't the Devils because the nope. Devils was. It was an Eastern January. Conference team. It was an Eastern Conference team. Okay, let's see. Hmm. Who did they beat on the road back on November? You said November 9th? Mm-hmm. November 9th. Was it. <laughs> was it Florida? Nope. It's got it like an okay team this year. Oh, an okay team this year. Hmm. Like they're okay. They've had their ups and downs. Just say it. Tampa Bay. Ah, they beat the Lightning. In Tampa, I was stunned. I don't I don't think Vasilevsky was back at that time, though. No. For but sure not. They stinks. suck. You know, they stink. They, Bedard's going to be out for a little while longer. What were you going to say? It's it's just rough, man. It's, it's hard to win on the road, too, with a young team. Like, the home crowd gets you going. Uh, it's they just find more ways to win at home, but playing on the road, 
is even tough for some of the better teams in the NHL. You look at the Avalanche, for example. They have the third best record in the league, but their road record's 12-9-3, which is technically 12-12. and Nothing to sneeze at, but nothing awe-inspiring either. It's it's a hard league to play on the road, you know, and it's just going to improve over time as you get that experience for these young guys. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to seeing the Hawks get a chance to get a road win. I'm all in on them being a top three lottery team again. Uh, it's just where I, that's how I fan. That's what I choose to do. Um, the better, the more young consequential players that you add, the better off your future is. And we see it with other teams around the league. Um, Kale McCarr was fourth overall. McKinnon was first overall. Rantanen was seventh overall. You know, you then I want, I in three years or in five years want to be like, Bedard was first overall. Korchinski was seventh overall. Celebrini <laughs> was first overall. Uh, Ethan Dalmastro, all-star. Where was he drafted? I mean, it, it that is how you put together, stand together, stand up caliber teams over time. Uh, Tate, Mr. Kane was first overall. Keith was in the second round. Seabrook was seventh overall. Crawford was in the second round. Like, First and second round picks, very, very important. Um, hopefully they're able to put together a couple. Um, but, you know, I'm really excited for what the Hawks are doing. And, you know, unfortunately there's not going to be a Blackhawk at the All-Star Game, which we'll talk about period number two. Good work. Good work. The All-Star Game. Frank, yep. the skills competition. What are, huh? What are the skills in the skills competition this year? Well, they're doing it differently. We touched on it earlier in the year, but each player, there's 12 players that will participate in the skills competition. Each player is going to compete in four of the first six events I'm about to name, earning points for their respective finish in the event. So you got the NHL's fastest skater, the NHL hardest shot, the NHL stick handling competition, NHL one-timers, the NHL passing challenge, and the Cheetos NHL Accuracy Shooting Competition. So I think it's unique that with these 12 players, they're going to choose to play in four of them, which is great because if you're not a fast skater, you don't have to compete in the fastest skater. So it's really giving you and your team or whatever the best chance of getting the most points and making it to round two. So when all six are done, all six competitions are set and done, we're going to move on to round two of the skills competition where the top eight point earners advance to the seventh event, meaning four of the 12 will be eliminated and not advancing to the event. This, the round two, the seventh event will be the NHL one-on-one -on -one competition where each of the remaining eight players will choose the goalie of their choice that they will shoot against from there. Whoever does the best from there, the top six point earners will advance to the eighth and final event, meaning we're losing another two cutting the 12 in half for the final six in the final round for the NHL obstacle course competition where the point totals are doubled VP. I like doubles. I like when there's a lot of juice on the line. So after that, after the obstacle course, the NHL all-star with the most points accumulated will be crowned the winner. It's a very interesting take on the all-star uh, skills competition, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it pans out. You know, maybe at the end of it, I'll be like, this was stupid and I hate it. But right now, I'm excited for a little change. Very good. Same here. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's unfortunate Jack Hughes won't be participating in the skills competition. He was replaced by Matt Barzell in the competition. Um, Jasper Bratt takes his spot on the overall roster. 
Um, other than that, everything is pretty much the same from the last time we updated with Eichel and Trocheck going in over Bedard and, or excuse me, with Trocheck and Connor. Um, Kyle Connor going in over Connor Bedard and Jack Eichel. Um, Frank, I wrote on the sheet Canada versus U.S. women, but it's actually not the case. It's just a PWHL three-on-three showcase. I knew it came out. And, you know, the rosters are out. It looks like on Team King you got some pretty popular players like Kendall Coyne-Schofield and Hillary Knight, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin, who's probably the greatest uh, female hockey player of all time. Then you look at Team Kloss, and they have a lot of, you know, really popular players as well, like Alex Carpenter, Emily Clark, Sarah Nurse. So it should be a lot of fun to watch. I literally can't wait for that tomorrow just as much as, you know, does draft and all that stuff. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited that they're doing this. This is one of the things um, when we were talking about the PWHL, um, I believe with Dan Rice, um, we, I mentioned that these leagues are going to feed off of each other. And that's what they're doing here. This is a great way to integrate the women and the men's together and kind of um, advertise the PWHL, get people more familiar with it. I swear I'm going crazy because I, when we talked about it last time, I mean, I, I could go back and find the video. I was like, the draft's going to be Thursday. The women are going to play Friday. The skills is going to be Saturday and the game's going to be Sunday. And like, it's not. And it worries me because I'm pretty sure you agreed with me. Like, did something happen? Did they just X nay the women having their own day and they just put it on Thursday? Cause I swear to you. It was a four-day event with the one. I thought it. it. I thought it was always on Thursday, along with the draft. That maybe you were being nice and you didn't want to tell me otherwise. That I don't remember. Was, I normally like. I remember you vividly. Wrong. I remember vividly saying that. I don't remember. We're gonna have to go back and check the tape. But yeah, it is tomorrow with the uh, the draft, and then the skills competition is on Thursday or on Friday, and then um, the game on Saturday. I'm excited. I really am. I like me the, too. It's my favorite all-star game of any sport. So, no, I would put it second. My favorite sport, but I would put the all-star game second. What do you have ahead of it? I think the MLB all-star game is the best. Wow. The only reason I think that is because that is the one that most emulates a real game with an all-star roster. That's fair. In hockey, it's a three-on-three tournament. In football, it's flag football. In basketball, it's the final score is 250 to 249. <laughs> the most – the game that resembles yeah. a real game the most is the MLB. It's not perfect. They don't go all out. You're not going to see Bryce Harper dive for a catch, you know, in, in the MLB one. Uh, the pitchers, they still throw gas, but they're not throwing their nastiest junk that can require John surgery. But it is the closest – thing to the real version of the game with an all-star lineup than any other sport that's very fair i understand that i would actually i would rank them baseball hockey basketball football football's the worst one by far i'm not even gonna watch the pro i don't care i don't think i ever watched the pro bowl to be honest with you i used to watch it when it was in hawaii and it kind of looked like football a little bit still you know it it was they kind of like they they would like chair and then like bring each other down. It wasn't like full blown tackling, yeah. but yeah, Pro Bowl, it's just, I, I'm excited to see like highlights of the pro bowl games and stuff. And last year when they were doing like water balloon competitions and stuff, they realized how bad that actually was. And this year there's going to be some changes to it. I was listening to Pat earlier today and he was actually making it sound kind of interesting. So I'm sure I'll check it out a little bit, but like as far as the actual game itself, 
Uh, I think baseball is the only one based on the nature of the game. It's not overly physical. You know, it's you throw the ball, you hit it, you catch it. You can do that without, you know, going through too much physical excursion or whatever the word is. I'm dumb. But, you know, in hockey, they're not going to be slamming each other into the boards or no. like sprawling out to make these crazy defensive not plays. Or penalties, if any. Not, yeah, blocking shots, stuff like that is just not going to happen in the All-Star game. Um, excited, though. Excited overall just because – and this is how I feel about football too. I just like the overall sense of the league and being together and celebrating the game more than anything. I don't – the game, whatever. But like the NHL is all going to be in one room for one weekend. Yep. You know, I, I'm friends with Rangers fans starting tomorrow for <laughs> for a weekend. You know, and that, that to me, it's that in the draft. Those are the two times where like the whole league is together in one spot. Um, you know, it's exciting. I'm excited for it. So, Frank, the actual all-star game. Do you have an idea yet on who you're rooting for or who you're going to be rooting for? Like I know they're picking the team, but is there a player that – draft to this team all of a sudden i'm rooting for that team or like is there a captain set up right now that you're already thinking you're going to end up rooting for like what are your thoughts on that well both my teams that i generally love don't even have an all-star player going to the game so that's like couldn't be any more worse really quick did jesper brack going confirm my theory to you though they probably asked a Golden probably. Knight or a Hawk that they felt it was deserving, That's and crazy, they declined. I, I guess. I don't want to really back the NHL side on this one. I think it's bullshit. Um, but maybe. But I just, I'm, like, why would they take Jesper Bratt over someone? Jesper Bratt was already on vacation, too. I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. I just... It just seems like a cop-out move by the NHL, but fair. I know I'm rooting for a very fun draft. I love the draft and was sad when they got rid of it. I'm glad it's making a return. As far as the actual game goes, I really don't know who I'm rooting for yet. I want to see how the draft goes. I still have a feeling that there's going to be a little fish somewhere, either during the draft or the All-Star game, because what are, what are the purpose of these celebrity captains? What what's the purpose? I have a feeling one of them is going to do something fishy. I don't know why. I feel another John Ham coming in here somewhere. It, something's going to happen. You just don't have celebrities just standing there looking pretty without them making a, a special pick or something. There's some fish coming on, and I'm prepared for it. I think the captains are to make people watch. Like, oh, Michael Buble is going to be there. It's going to pull in. VP. We'll see. We'll see. Pat McAfee entering the Rumble Fish. Tate McRae isn't lacing up the skates. I can promise you that much. Um, She'll be too busy worrying about performing in the second intermission. Um, Joey wants you to hop on the spaghetti train, meaning he wants you to root for whatever team that David Pasternak is joining. It's a possibility. I'm not ruling it out. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. So we'll see. It depends. I I think highly I'm rooting for the Central. There is no Central. You know what I mean, though. Team McKinnon, because he's part of the Central. There's two Team Pacifics, then, and no Team Metro. No, because Jack Hughes is a captain. But they replaced him with Elias Pettersson's the alternate captain and Team Hughes. He's still the Metro. That's still the Metro team in my eyes. I get what you're saying. They did it for a reason. They did one captain per division for a reason until they had to replace him. 
I would like to know that. If I ever get the opportunity to interview like God Bill Bailey or, or they did it like that. I'm gonna find out. Come on. Because like I think they're just the four best players, the four Come most on. exciting players. You're not that dumb. It's the four most exciting Please. players. Frank, who deserves to be a captain more than Hughes, McKinnon, McDavid, and Matthews? Those are the four best players in the NHL. But it was for sure the reason. Trust me, it's just that's just the know. way it is. I think those You're are the four. Crazy. I think it happens to end up being that that way. But those are the four best players, the four most polarizing, exciting players. Maybe though, because like, would they have included Kucherov or Pasternak? I don't know. I don't know. I have I no know. idea. I'm gonna so, find out though. I'm gonna my, find out. My rooting interest is still up in the air. Mine is too. Now that Jack's not playing in the game. I still think Team Hughes will have my alliance. I just hope and pray that they draft Jesper Bratt so that I don't even have to think about it. Like, it doesn't even have to be a debate in my mind. I can root for Team Hughes, the red jerseys. I like red. It'll just be perfect if Team Hughes can draft Jesper Bratt. My other thing, I'm a diehard Colorado Avalanche fan now. My guy, Zach Parisi. Root for Team McKinnon. Team McKinnon and Kale McCarr. I, I won't root against them. I'll say that much. I, I will if they play Team Red and Team Red has Hughes and Brat on it. But if Brat goes to a different team, I'll root for his team. But like I'm kind of all in on the McCarr McKinnon train too. Obviously, very interested in where Pasternak goes. That'll be fun. Um, I'm kind of all over the place with this All Star game because of the way it's set up, though. What if Hughes and Poster on Team McKinnon? <sighs> well, it's impossible. Why? It's a draft. But Hughes is a captain. You mean Brat and Poster? Brat, Brat and Poster. If Brat and Poster are on Team McKinnon, I That's will be all in on them. And even I'll root for Team... Even, no, even if they play your Team Red? Team Red is Team Hughes, and I don't know if he's going to be behind the bench wearing a suit or what, which would be very funny. So if Brat and Pasta were on Team McKinnon, you'd still root for Team Hughes? <laughs> I don't know. That's tough. I don't it's know. A, it's, it's a very good possibility. Possibility. Don't be a brat. Um, Frank, I know this was kind of a shorter period because, you know, without knowing the teams, it's kind of really hard to talk about the All-Star game. But I, I really – I Yeah, and I did just want to talk about, um, you know, I did want to talk about it in general. Joey says, I just hope Sway and Pasta get drafted to the same squad. It's possible. It's highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely, but it's possible. Well, I mean, they think, well, the, the goalies are going to, the goalies are what make it difficult. Neil McKinnon. See, everybody wants to root for Team McKinnon. I, that's who I'm going for right now, but my idea is subject to change. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I love every setup, too, they have. Team Hughes, obviously. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, that's awesome. Uh, Matthews and Riley, that's awesome. And then McDavid and McCarr. I love, I, I'm so cool with all those teams. I just smell fish. I smell fish. I smell fish. I don't get I don't, my words. I don't get it. Like, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. Like, is Michael Buble going to draft, like, Justin Timberlake or something? Like, <laughs> like I don't know what kind of fish you think is going to happen. I don't know. Like, like Ovechkin wanting, Hamm. like, but John Hamm had influence on, like, the result of something. Like, we're trading a captain or something crazy, like. So I don't know. I don't know. I I would think that that's possible if every like alternate captain's going to Team Red or something, or I don't know. Okay. Or we're gonna switch celebrities. There's fish VP. If that happens, 
if that happens, I'll give you credit. But John Hamm's not there to mess it all up this year. If he was there, it'd be a given that he was going to do something. It's like his bit now. Yeah. I'm all in on Team Hughes. Screw you guys. Wow. Go Team Hughes. Good. I Michael, hope that goes to McKinnon. Michael Buble, too. I hope he goes to Team McKinnon oh. so bad now. Michael Buble, I'm I'm loving the Canucks this season. Brad's Quinn gonna Hughes score the game winning goal. No, well, I'm rooting for Brad. I don't know, like, what you think you're insulting me here. Like, I'm gonna root for Brad no matter what. He's a devil. That's all right. That's all right. I love the Devils more than I love myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank, it's gonna be fun though. I wish the draft was before our show, but it is what it is. We will recap the All Star Game next week, and next week we will also preview the Super Bowl in terms of predictions and top 10 players playing in the game as a whole and talking about lots of other things. But right now in period number three, we're going to recap the championship Sunday and talk about what a matchup this is going to be in the Super Bowl period. Number three. See, you had an opportunity there to make a very funny joke. I Trade. I teed up. I'm Nicholas Backstrom, one teeing you a very funny joke, and you're Ovechkin ready to slap it in, and you missed. That would have been funny if you were like missing. If yeah, right. If you were pretending that oh, you caught me off guard when I literally like went slow. Oh, that would have been funny. (laughs) I guess I'm always ready, VP. Not always, but. Not always. Frank, no predictions. We are saving our predictions for the Super Bowl next week. You have to tune in to next week's show, which will be largely a Super Bowl show. We'll talk about hockey, but we'll be coming off the All-Star break. There will only be a handful of games that were played. The Devils will have played the Avalanche by then. But, you know, there will be a couple things to talk about, I'm sure. And the trade deadline's really going to start heating up starting next week. That'll be the three-week point before the deadline. Those 21 days are going to be banana lands. But... Next week, we are going to um, really dive into like predictions and previewing the Super Bowl totally. But right now, Frank, the AFC Championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens, the Chiefs got it done. Low scoring, what we expect, predicted the Chiefs to win, even though I was rooting for the Ravens. Just seems right now Mahomes and Andy Reid's in the postseason is just automatic. It's just what it feels like to me. They'll lose in the postseason eventually, obviously. It's not... 100%, even if it's not this year. But it just seems like they're automatic in the playoffs. You could always bank on them. You, they could go 9-9 nine and nine and make the postseason. And they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I mean, the Ravens, they didn't run the ball enough. I think they put too much faith in Lamar Jackson's arm, which I don't blame them. He is elite. But, I mean, the Chiefs struggled with the run at times this year. I thought that was just a poor coaching decision by Harbaugh. I mean, sometimes you got to play the numbers, and he didn't do that, and the Chiefs took advantage of it. And when you're playing a team like the Chiefs, who have so much success in the playoffs, you got to open up your playbook to just about anything if you want to win the game. Very interesting. When I'm watching the game, I thought two things. At first, I was like, the Baltimore Ravens. What a bunch of idiots. They had an identity all season long that made them have the best record in the NFL and they went away from it against the Kansas City Chiefs. They did not run the way that we are used to them running. They relied on Lamar's passing just way too much. And I I think the world of Lamar, he's going to win the MVP next week. Um, You know, he's an unreal player, top five quarterback, top three quarterback, top 
certainly top four. I would probably rank them fourth. But they they are an unreal team, and they just got away from what makes them so great. I cannot believe the game plan that they showed up to play the Chiefs with whatsoever. It was unbelievable. It was they, unbelievable. They have such a way of playing this year that allowed them to suffocate teams defensively, and they ran the ball well, and then they just didn't do any of it against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, why did they do that? And I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking – the Chiefs are the Patriots. They force teams to be stupid. They are so intimidating and so good at everything that they make everyone they play against second-guess themselves. They sit back and wait for you to mess up. They don't mess up themselves. They sit there and wait for you to mess up. And they... The Chiefs played a perfect game against the Bills. It was close. They waited for that field goal to be missed, and the game was over. They didn't make any. They waited for the Bills to make the first mistake. The same thing with the Ravens. Zay Flowers fumbles on the one-yard line. Boom. Game-losing mistake because the Chiefs are going to pounce. That is what they do. It is just – it's – Patrick Mahomes is 10 times more talented than Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls because he was better than everybody else at winning. But like Mahomes is kind of like a more talented version. He's just better than you at winning. And he goes out there. Travis Kelsey, he's old. He sucks. He's the same age as Gronk. Why is he still playing? He's distracted. Idiots. Complete morons for thinking any of that. Travis Kelsey's so committed to winning and he steps it up in the postseason. He reminds me of like, remember Brian Bickle? How that dude, he'd score like eight goals in the regular season, but then he had 15 in the playoffs or whatever it was. Like, he he just steps it up in the playoffs. And Gronk did that a lot towards the end of his career too. Kind of moseyed on a little bit in the regular season to avoid getting hurt, avoid any ACL issues. And then once the playoffs roll around, there's Gronk, the greatest greatest red zone threat in the history of the NFL. Um Kelsey doesn't block quite as much as Gronk did. Gronk's one of the best blocking tight ends of all time. Kelsey's more like a pure receiving tight end. But, you know, he can. And it, it, the the trio of them two and Andy Reid on top of that, it's the best defense Mahomes has ever had. He's almost like there are games where he knows he has to be a game manager instead of, a, you know, making all these plays. And he does it find ways to win it doesn't matter if he has 200 yards or if he has 500 yards he's capable of both you don't think Patrick Mahomes could make that game winning play if he needs a bomb I feel sorry for you it's just it's the most miraculous thing you could possibly watch um they're gonna win a bunch of Super Bowls I think it's gonna be a little bit different than the Patriots dynasty because I don't know if Andy Reid will be the head coach for all of it the way Bill Belichick was and you know they have the elite tight end for the front half of the dynasty where the Patriots had the elite tight end for the back half of the dynasty. But, you know, we'll see what they're able to do as far as supplementing. But number 15 is just one of the greatest players. He might even be the greatest, most talented player in the history of the NFL. He's got a long way to go if he wants to catch the lure that Tom Brady has and the, you know, all the ring chasing and all that sort of thing. Um, I honestly think Patrick Mahomes would have to like have a career ending injury or like just drive off a cliff (laughs) to 
not win multiple more Super Bowls. Like, I honestly think it is inevitable. He is Thanos. I, I, I honestly, like, the Ravens, they would have, like, four Super Bowl championships extra if Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes were never born. They've just been such a good franchise for such a long time, and they just can't beat those two guys. Yeah. And it is remarkable what that team has become in Kansas City. Um, with Alex Smith, they were that team that always made the playoffs but couldn't get over the hump. They'd lose to Tom. They'd lose to Big Ben, whoever the case may be. Um, Patrick Mahomes has only lost three playoff games in his NFL career. Two of them were to Tom Brady. One of them was to Joe Burrow. Um, he is already second all-time – or third all-time on the playoff wins list by a quarterback. He passed Peyton Manning with the win against the Ravens. He only trails Joe Montana, who I think he only needs one more to break or pass. Um, and then Tom Brady has like 10 more that he will ultimately get close. I do think he'll get close, if not surpassed. Um, it is just one of the most remarkable runs. Again, winning seven Super Bowls in a span. I guess you could say six Super Bowls because one was with the Bucs. Um, winning six Super Bowls in 18 years is the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL. This Chiefs team, if they add a third, if they add a third in six years, and this kid is still 27. If he ends up like Tom and plays till 40, like how many is he going to win? It it is just crazy to me what they've become. I was kind of bummed out when Tom retired. I'm like, oh, or when he was getting older, like, oh, we're never going to see anything like this again. I no longer think that. I do think he is such a transcendent player. He's already a legend. He's such a dork too. That's the funny thing about it. He moseys on his way from the huddle into the you know, the cadence, like he, he walks like a goofball, he, you know, he's got the thing with his brother and, you know, like it's just, it's the most where Tom was like a robot. He looked like a guy who would go, he didn't eat tomatoes. Patrick Mahomes, he kind of fat. There was a picture circulating of him on the internet uh-huh. with belly hanging out over the weekend. Um, You know, it's just, it's one of the craziest things. I'm all in on them. Uh, they're fun to watch. I know every, every and I, I remember when I worked at Panera. I don't mention that very often that I used to work at Panera. Um, I remember telling a coworker, yeah, everyone's going to hate the Chiefs in four years. They were about to win their first. I think it was the first time they were going to. I'm like, yeah, everybody's going to hate the Chiefs in four years. Here we are. They are the team that everybody hates, doesn't want to win. And all those people, I'm not going to choose to be like that because I chose not to be like that. I'm not going to bandwagon them the way that I did the Patriots when I was a kid. You know, Tom Brady and the Patriots will always be my squad. Um, not counting the Bears. Um, but you know, they are that team. They're not they're not gonna get under my skin because I know it's coming. I've already grieved the next ten NFL seasons belonging to the Chiefs in some way, shape, or form. Um, that's just the way we live now. It's the Chiefs NFL living in it. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a Chiefs hater, but it's just the way it is. You're a Chiefs hater, but you recognize. Yeah, I recognize them. I'm not saying they're bad, but it's like I do want somebody else to win. I'd like to see the Bills freaking win, beat them. Okay, and that's the thing that's interesting to me. So since Patrick Mahomes became a starting quarterback, only he, Tom Brady, and Matthew Stafford have won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. During Tom Brady's run, Peyton Manning got two, Aaron Rodgers got one, Drew Brees got one, Ben Roethlisberger got two, um, Eli got two. Uh, a lot of court, a lot of the top level elite quarterbacks did win Super Bowls during Tom Brady's career. 
Um, really, the only super elite quarterback that didn't win one during that stretch was Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. All those, all these elite quarterbacks in the NFL are not going to win one during Patrick Mahomes' career. I just don't see it. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, um, Joe Burrow. I do think Joe Burrow gets one. He's already proven he could beat Mahomes in the playoffs. Joe Burrow's going to get one. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Caleb Williams, whoever comes into the league is an elite quarterback for the next handful of years I, they're not all winning multiple super bowls during patrick mahomes's run I, I just don't see it yeah i don't know i i hope so you i want to see it I, I do <laughs> which is fair i hope josh gets one too i really do but like is he gonna win two with mahomes in Let's the way focus on the first one uh, that's what i'm saying though but like i don't know it's it's guns ablazing in Kansas City right now, and they're not stopping anytime soon. On the other side of the coin, the NFC Championship game. The Detroit Lions were defeated by the San Francisco 49ers, but it was close. The 49ers, they had an – I don't know if it's an all-time great comeback, but it's close. They were down by 17 at one point, and these idiots on the Lions are waving to the 49ers fans <laughs> on the way to the locker room at halftime. Just all-time dumb. All people, I just don't understand dumb. Like I'm not, I'm not acting like I'm smart. I don't think I'm smart, but I don't think I'm dumb either. And I just, I'm stunned with the way the Lions kind of choked that away. Um, we could talk about a couple decisions made by MCDC. Uh, you know, towards the end of the game, we could probably debate a little bit because I have a feeling we're not going to totally agree. But I mean, I, I, I'd love your thoughts on the game. Yeah, because um, you've. You've kind of said, like, the 49ers, when they get down, they can't really rebound with Brock Purdy. Their offense operates. They were down 17. Wrong. They they were down 17, and they stormed back. I was I was a little surprised, but not surprised at the same time, right? What a great game. A treat. Both games were technically a treat, in my opinion. Um, yeah, the, the 49ers, they just they outclassed the Lions in the second half. It was a whole different ball game. It's like... Jared Goff fell off the 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 face of the earth in the second half. He looked like he was Zach Wilson, um, and then freaking Brock Purdy looked like he was Tom Brady. Did you see that mean? There was like it was like Brock Purdy in the first half compared to the second half. It was just unbelievable. The I can't even say the defense was great because each team gave up over thirty, but it was fun to watch. The 49ers got it done. They're gonna play the uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl and. I'm not going to say my predictions, but I think it's going to be a good game. You're muted. Excuse me. Sorry. I'm excited for the game. Um, The 49ers, I'm wrong. Brock Purdy is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, I don't have him top five, but he's top ten. Um, he, he, he can come back. And that's the funny thing. He's the best quarterback from his draft, and it's not close. What's the competition like? Kenny Pickett. <laughs> um, you know, I I truly, I, it doesn't matter to me that he was Mister Irrelevant. It was the way he played, and I was a little worried. Like, will he be able to lead comebacks? And that's the key to winning in the NFL. It is. Mahomes has done it. The the Chiefs were down to the Texans when, um, Deshaun Watson was their quarterback. They were down by like twenty at halftime one of the years, and they came all the way back and won. Like, you have to be able to come back in the NFL 
from multi-score deficits from time to time. I'm not saying it's ideal. I'm not saying it's something you want to have to do. But every quarterback that has multiple Super Bowls has done it. And, you know, Tom did it. Tom did it in the Super Bowl twice. One time was a little more, you know, extravagant than the other. The Falcons game, that was unlike anything we've ever seen. But it it is one of those things. And they proved me wrong because they came back against Green Bay, too. Yep. And, you know, the Lions, they're a damn good team. And they're going to be good for a long time. I think they will battle with the Packers for the top spot in the NFC North for the next handful of years. Uh, depending on Kirk Cousins' decision, I think the Vikings, they could go up or they could go down. The Bears can really only go up. I think they'll improve. Can't get much worse. The NFC North is probably going to be one of the best divisions in the NFL from top to bottom next season. Um, and the Bears have a last-place schedule, which is nice. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Detroit navigates a first-place schedule. Because yeah. they're going to have to play the Cowboys. They're going to have to play the 49ers. Um, I, think, I think we have that whole division actually. Um, Aldo wants to know, you guys think Tom Brady will be better than Greg Olson with his TV analysis? No. I think Greg Olson is top-notch, personally. Tony Romo, too. Tony Romo, he he makes his noises. Oh, God. Oh, God, Jim. But, you know, and I love Tom Brady. I can't wait to see how he is. Um, But to say he's going to be better than Greg Olson, I, I, I don't know. Greg Olson, he knows his football. Um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm interested to see if Aldo agrees with me on that, on Greg Olson. Um, but yeah, as far as the AFC or the NFC championship game, the Lions, they went for it a couple times. That has been their identity yep. season long. MCDC 18 hit me when he's playing blackjack. He hits on 18, not literally, but like in football terms, he does. What's your kind of take on this whole argument between NFL analytics people and NFL watch the damn game, stupid people? Um, what do you mean? He like, went for it. On, he like went. Like he like went for it on. Play? Yeah, he went for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal when it would have been a chip shot to tie the game. Um, he's been doing that all season long, and it's yeah, worked I, for them. I don't think. I hate when people refer to like you have to kick or punt the ball away if it's fourth and one and you're on your own 40 because like if you don't then it's like you're playing Madden I hate that like no it's not you're the coach for the reason you're gonna make the decisions on what you want to do if you want to go for it on fourth down in your own zone and it's the first quarter it's you're not playing Madden you're you're coaching the way you do that's how names are made that's how Coaches become Hall of Famers. That's how you win Super Bowls. You can't just kick it because it's fourth down. So, no, I don't shit on him for going for it. Would I have gone for it? No, probably not. But I don't disagree with it. There will be times that I would go for it on fourth down um, where analytics would say kick the ball. So I I don't fault him for that. I think um, that whole idea of playing it safe is a thing of the past. We're, we're moving on in the NFL. The NFL's updating, getting more up-to-date, up-to-speed with different uh, play types. So I just – I get annoyed when people say that, to be honest with you. I do too. Um, so people are going to poo-poo on MCDC all offseason long. My take is it's worked for them all. They want a freaking division title, playing that aggressive style of football. Um, 
they believe in what they're doing. He believed in their players and the players didn't execute the play. It happens. I mean, now here's the thing that I think MCDC will learn over the next handful of years as a head coach. There are times where you can adjust what's working for you based on the situation of the game. I would have tied it. I would have tied the game. Me too. With a field goal instead of going for it and potentially missing and still being down. And then San Francisco came down and made it a 10-point game. You know, because then you would have had a chance to tie it with that touchdown that they got in the end, the mm-hmm. Lions. Remember? they, yep. And that, that's another thing. I would have kicked – if being down 10, I would have kicked a field goal on first down and tried an onside kick because you need an onside kick regardless and get it down um, and get the three points out of the way quickly. But, you know, he believes in his system and what's worked for them this year. We'll see if he adjusts as the time goes on on how to, you know, perfect it a little bit more. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and shit on him when it was literally like that all year long. I and agree. then if if he would have deviated from that plan and then it failed, then the Detroit faithful would have been like, well, you, you did it all season long that way. Why are you changing it up now in the playoffs? You know, they would have spent all offseason saying, well, what if we went for it on fourth down, made exactly. it, and scored a touchdown? You know, so I don't know. I, I'm very torn on it. I think there's pros and cons to both sides. I hope MCDC figures out like a happy medium that allows him to know when to trust the analytics and know when to just tie the damn game. Because I do think there is like, there's like, it's like a weight balance thing. So Aldo says that's a good Romo impression. I agree on Olsen. Brady will be good. We'll see if he's better. I think Olsen is one of the best ever. If Brady's better than Olsen, that means he's just as elite at an- analyzing a game as he was at throwing the football. <laughs> um, because Greg Olsen is, in my opinion, when you listen to him talk, he just breaks things down in such a way that, you know, it's relatable, but it's also knowledgeable, like coming from a player who was in those huddles. Tony Romo brings the knowledge, but sometimes he's just like, oh, my God, Jim. Oh, oh, oh. And then Mahomes will make a sick play. And he'll go, oh, like someone's, you know, someone's pleasuring him. Like, like, dude, Tony, I like football, too. But holy crap. He, Oh, Jim, that was actually a really good throw by Patrick Mahomes, the second out of Texas Tech. Oh, Jim. You know, I, I kind of like that, though. It, oh, I don't hate it. I'm not a Tony Romo hater, but that is what he sounds like. Yeah, That is what he sounds like as a color right. commentator, where Greg Olson kind of leaves out the, the noises. You know, right. you know, Tony Romo kind of goes in there sometimes, and he sounds like he's getting a workout while watching this game. And I, I love that he loves football. That, to me, is my biggest takeaway from it. But every now and again, it does sound like him and Jim Nance are in the booth getting a little handsy. You know, which maybe they are, which is totally cool. Um, People rip on these announcers, though. They do it to Collinsworth, too, for, like, being obsessed with Mahomes. Why aren't you obsessed with Mahomes? You like football, and you're, like, why? You don't even have to, like, be upset, but, like, appreciate someone that good at winning. I mean, we all love football. He's the best at it. Like, why aren't you embracing that you live in the same – you're breathing the same air as Patrick Mahomes in this era, like (laughs) – that I watch that dude. I'm like, this guy is spectacular, and you know, appreciate him. Don't hate him. And if you're not loving it as much as Tony Romo, I check your pulse. Honestly, you could root for them to lose. That's fine, but like, Frank, 
You're telling me you don't appreciate the greatness of Patrick Mahomes? I'm kidding. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> All right, Frank, I'll let you get to breaking bets in a minute here. Uh-oh. But it's time to address an bad. issue I have. All right. This is bad. You know what's coming. I don't know exactly what's coming, but we'll these see. people that go on Twitter or Facebook. Oh, I kind of know what you're. Yeah. Or whatever. And they complain about Taylor Swift attending NFL games. Are you shitting me? What kind of joke of a human being do you have to be to get vehemently angry with a sport as a whole for showing one of the biggest pop stars in the history of the world on the television for a handful of seconds when her boyfriend scores a touchdown? I honestly think you have to be a deranged weirdo to get vehemently upset about it to the point where you might not watch the Super Bowl because the Kansas City Chiefs are involved. I mean, where does your life have to go wrong for you to be that obsessed about it? Our guy Colin Coward released a little couple stats about the whole thing. How many seconds, on average, do you think Taylor Swift is shown on a three-and-a-half-hour NFL broadcast that the Chiefs are participating in? They took every single game that she attended, the amount of screen time, and divided it by the number of games she attended. The average time shown on the screen. How much do you think it is in seconds? 11. It's a little more than that. It's 25 seconds on average. She got up to a huge 32 seconds on the game against the Ravens. And Kelsey had two touchdowns, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, Or did he have one touchdown? He had a lot of big plays. He had one touchdown. But he had a lot of big plays. Pacheco had the other one. Yeah. It is so weird to me that these people, like, are you that lonely? (laughs) That Are you mad that you can't have Taylor Swift? That's honestly probably what it is. Because most men are like lonely douchebags who go online and complain about stuff that has nothing to do with them. I mean, I just don't understand where this hatred for her comes. But when Spike Lee's at the Knicks game, that's so cool. That is awesome when Spike Lee's at the Knicks game. Or when Eminem was at Detroit. Lose yourself in the music. The mo Everyone's singing. We're having a great time. Show Taylor Swift, a successful woman, and these people have a problem with it. I know what the real issue is here. You. You are a weirdo if you have that big of an issue with it where you might not watch the Super Bowl. Get a life. Stop being such a cranky a-hole. Go find yourself a girlfriend and stop being so weird and deranged about it. Nobody cares that you don't want to see Taylor Swift. You were boycotting the NFL back in 2020 anyway. What made you come back? Now, all of a sudden, this woman's being shown on the screen every now and again. It's not even that long of your life. Count to 32. That's how long she was on the screen in the Ravens game. I mean, just grow up with your hatred. You don't have to like Taylor Swift's music. The NFL is a genius. They are showing her. They, she has estimated $300 million extra for the NFL in terms of jersey sales and revenue due to her becoming part of NFL culture in the last 20 or 12 months or whatever the case may be. Travis Kelsey's a good dude. He was on Pat McAfee earlier today, just yucking it up with AJ Hawk and Pat McAfee. He doesn't even act like this guy 
who's dating this raging superstar. And do you know the effort she's going to put into going to the Super Bowl? She has a show in Tokyo the night before. It's a 12-hour flight, and she's got to make it back in time to be at Vegas for the start of the game. I mean, reevaluate your life. Colin, Colin also said it best in this way, too. You can tell how deranged or delusional people are by what bothers them. If that bothers you that Taylor Swift attends a football game, get a life. Well, I mean, well said, VP. I mean, I'm sure you agree. You're a weirdo if you like don't watch a game because the singer's at the game. I won't skip out on any game. And like, no matter what. And why? Why is it okay for Kelsey to go to Kelsey's not going to the Grammys? But like, why would the NFL not want to show someone like that on the screen? They would be they would be just as deranged as the people who hate it if they didn't show her when he scores touchdowns. What's wrong with them showing other fans in the stands? Do you know how much time the football is in motion on the three-and-a-half-hour broadcast? There's one hour of a clock. How much of that clock is the football actually in motion on average this 2023 season? I don't even know. 18 minutes. They have to fill a three-and-a-half-hour broadcast. They're showing Taylor Swift, and if you have a problem with it, get out. We don't want you anyway. Go back to boycotting the league like you were in 2020. Wow. Sorry. You know it's the same people, too. You know it's the same people, too. <laughs> VP's cooking. Oh, I'm cooking. Oh, I hate VP's it. VP's angry. I just don't get how lonely and weird and deranged you have to be to be that upset over a multi-platinum recording artist being shown. I'm not telling you to go listen to her music. I personally like it. But, like, no music is for everyone. But to just vehemently hate someone, it's because she's a successful woman and you can't date her and you're pissed off about it. Get a life. Wow. Whoo! VP. Facts are facts. Wow. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And I can't wait to roast people all Super Bowl week about it. Nasty ass. I'm probably going to do the same rant next week, too. So stay tuned. Freaking. I, ho I, I hope. I hope. I hope she comes out and performs a song with Usher at halftime when the Chiefs have a 50 to nothing lead over the 49ers. And I hope when if they win, the confetti's going down, down and she's the face of it all. No, it's not a prediction. It's not a prediction. But I can't put into words enough how much of a weirdo I think you are if you're mad about a woman attending a football game to support her soon-to-be family. And, and all the people, oh, they're not even really dating. It's a conspiracy relationship. You know, they're, they're just doing it for the ratings and the money. Yeah, I'm sure the people saying that have real proper awesome relationships themselves. They live great outstanding lives themselves. Mm-hmm. Sure. Weirdos. I'm pissed wow. off. Wow. Wow, Horrible. wow, wow. Horrible. I just can't imagine being that lonely and miserable. Can't, couldn't be me. You got nothing to say, VP. It's your rant. It's my rant. Taylor Swift. You know, after the season's over, I imagine, I think she's doing another kick of the Eras tour, and then I imagine an album's coming soon. Midnight's came out what? What was that? November 2022? So, like, a new one's got to be somewhat in the works, I would think. A lot of traveling, though, in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> this is your time, brother. Brother, I mean, 
it's the number one story in going into the Super Bowl, probably. It's your time. It's my time. I'm done. My rant's over. I, yeah. I got <laughs> nothing to say. I You don't disagree. I got nothing to say. Do you disagree? You hate seeing Taylor on the screen? I, I didn't say that. You hate? Oh. I didn't say that. All right, Frank. I just got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. He's got nothing to say. Hey, I know he's going to have plenty to say in America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking Pets. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be an over under on her screen time and oh, Super Bowl, right? I will be betting the over. 100%. Hell yeah. Um, I hope it's the over. I hope it's the over by a minute. Last week we went one for two. Or, yeah, we won one, lost two, but we hit the big 10 unit banger Chiefs money line or Chiefs whatever plus whatever. I, I don't know. It was big. It was 10 units. So we're still at the same percentage, but we hit the big one. And VP, take a look when it scrolls around. Or yeah, you see it there. NFL's two and one. Last year, I started out one and three. Well, this year, I finished three and one in NFL. That would be funny. That would be funny. I mean, that NHL mark, though. NHL is always the toughest, I feel like, yeah, to predict. I, mean, I agree. Great. I couldn't agree more. The freaking Kraken lost three nothing to the or two nothing. Was it three or two to the Sharks yesterday? It's tough. <laughs> very very tough to predict. Um, just give me one sec, VP, because uh, I had to change something with one of my picks. Um, but anyway, I'm ready. Hockey's going on an All Star break. But there's still hockey tonight. Still a little bit of hockey left to get your feet wet before the All-Star break. We got the stinky, slumping Kings playing another slumping <laughs> Nashville Predators team. This should this should be quoted as like the battle of the slumps. Both are playing well below average hockey right now. I don't know why the Kings are favored on the road with how bad they're playing, losing 14 out of their last 16 games. I feel like any problems the Kings are facing won't be dealt with until after the All-Star break. So my thoughts are is that they're going to want to head into break as soon as possible, not even potentially give a full effort here. I would feel dumb passing up on a home underdog. I feel like it'd be a missed opportunity in my opinion, which is why we're going to roll with Predators money line at plus 100 for one unit. I think it's dumb. I think... You're dumb if you take the Kings. Even if the Kings win, I think it's dumb that you took the Kings in this big of a slump with one game before the All-Star break. just doesn't make sense. So we'll see what happens there. My NBA pick of the day or the week. Got the Chicago Bulls, VP Chicago Bulls, facing off against oh, the Charlotte. lost yesterday. What <laughs> tough. Tough loss, VP. They're facing the Charlotte Hornets, a significantly worse team than the Toronto Raptors, who they lost to yesterday. I think the Bulls are in for some bad news. I like the Hornets plus two and a half here at minus 105. I'd bet to win three units on that one. I've always been a huge fan of fading a team on the second half of a back-to-back -back in the NBA. The numbers are there. Both of these teams stink. 
And with the Bulls winning the first three games of this season series, I see the Hornets coming out with a full swing to stop the Bulls in their tracks of trying to sweep the regular season series. We'll see if they could do it on the second half of a back-to-back. That's tough. I'll take the home points here at the Hornets in two and a half. Finally, my last pick, college basketball, because I'm saving for my Super Bowl pick for next week's breaking bets. Got number 18, Baylor, traveling to Central Florida to play UCF. I'm rolling with Baylor Moneyline, minus 175, three units. It's a little tough on the road. It's a lot of juice there. Don't usually like to do that with the road team. But there's been a trend in college basketball this year with home, unranked home teams against ranked opponents have been faltering. Whereas last year, it's kind of, it was the unranked home team got the upset. It seemed like it's not happening that much this year. Baylor has the more talented roster by far. They haven't impressed me in conference play thus far this year, but they did take TCU to a triple OG game. They took Texas to the brink of defeat. Their shooting could sometimes be flat on the road. We've seen that they're one and two on the road, but UCF, they have a, they have had a great regular season so far, but they haven't found their big win yet, and I don't know if it's necessarily going to come today. They are capable of doing that. So I'm more than okay with taking Baylor here on the road. So that's that's my pick, Baylor Moneyline minus 175, bet to win three units. That's it, VP. Hell yeah, Frank. Your graphic, give yourself a little more credit. You're up to 50%. No, no, no. no. Four wins, eight losses. Oh, yeah, duh. I mean, I was thinking, do I do four out of 12? Yeah, no. I I would. But I, I like the record, like four wins, eight losses. You know what I mean? I'm just stupid. I, I say it all the time. I'm dumb. Because no. I, I kept it last year. I kept it like that, too, at last year's graphic. Um, I think it was literally only confusing to me because it was like it would be half if it was four for eight. See, last year it was made more sense. Yeah, totally. That'd be a crazy record if I hit 77 out of 82. That's like 90% range. But yeah, I, I wanted to keep it the same. But I thought about changing it. Yeah, no, I think it's perfect the way it is. Um, all this says keep betting. Keep betting. Go ahead, VP. Cook. Cook, Frank. Cook. Maybe I'll jump in breaking bets next week with the Super Bowl coming up. That's my one betting you day. VP is going to take some props. We'll have some. I might make uh, breaking bets next week a Super Bowl only show and include some props in there. No other, no NHL picks, no NBA. Just I might just focus solely on the Super Bowl next week. That makes sense with the game being a couple days away. But I mean, got to bet on the Gatorade color and how many seconds they're going to show Taylor Swift. And are there going to be more than one athlete shown in a commercial? I like those too. I got to be honest. Go ahead. I you wouldn't guess what the favorite is for the Gatorade. Isn't it usually like yellow green? No. Well, it might be, but it's not this year. I'm stunned. Is it clear? Nope. What is it? Purple. Purple. That's a rare Gatorade. Yeah. It's always like a plus eight hundred fa- That's the favorite? That must be someone someone on either team likes purple Gatorade and someone knows that or something. I don't know. But it's like, it's not the chiefs have been here before. If they win, it ain't going to be no ga- purple Gatorade. <laughs> Let me tell you. 
Unless they got some, I mean, it's like the color of the Super Bowl logo, I think, but that's bullshit. That's yeah. like just because it's the the color of the Super Bowl logo, that doesn't mean it's going to be orange or purple Gatorade. And I feel like my only issue, I feel like they don't show it as much anymore. The as Gator- they yeah, they to. don't. You kind of got to like look at a Twitter video to see like a side angle view. Yeah. Of it's like a thing of the past, kind of cheesy. Yeah. But I, I enjoy it. Like I look, I mean, I would do it. Of course. No, I totally agree. Well, Frank, I can't wait to do the Super Bowl show next week. We're going to have a lot of Super Two of the three periods will probably be dedicated to the Super Bowl next week. And like Aldo says, Super Bowl version of Breaking Bets should be a ton of fun. Very much looking forward to it. And anything else you got to get off your chest before we head on out of here? Weather's warming up a little bit. Snow's starting to melt. Hockey's on For break. <laughs> Feels like we're in summer. It, it, it does have like a springy vibe right now but it's january 31st shit yeah we still got all february i love winter though so i'm just yeah i'm not i don't mind but february could absolutely still have a couple curveballs there for you along with march but i think i think there's better times ahead than in the past weather wise that's maybe we'll We'll see. see we've had blizzards in march and april before don't jinx it um i have no control I have no control. That'd be cool if I did, though. <laughs> no, well, <I> make <laughs> sure you listen to the rest of the shows on the Barroom Network for the rest of the weekend. You got a bunch of NFL stuff coming up. It's Super Bowl time. It's not Super Bowl week quite yet, but we're getting there. A lot of these shows are going to be covering what's going on. Of course, the Chicago Bears have a big quarterback debate. Are they going to take Justin Fields and keep him? Are they going to draft a quarterback number one overall? Lots of discussion going on around the network and you know, some baseball coming back soon. Spring training is just a couple of weeks away, so we will be all in on that as well. And Frank and I will be back next Wednesday at 2 p.m. You can make sure you tune in and follow everyone on Twitter, at the King Bean on Twitter, at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Follow at Barroom Network on Twitter for all the greatest updates and stuff going on with us. And, Frank, it's been a great show. It has been a great show. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. And as always, to the fans in the chat, thank you very much, as always, for joining. We will see you next week. As always, thank you for listening.